time it is it's time for another episode of the jungle gyms podcast i'm your host mark welcome to the show hey let's just get this out of the way right here i know you want to know who won this week's giveaway we filled a cooler from eckrich meats full of all kinds of unique sodas from our soda aisle which is like over a thousand feet of different unique sodas from really gross stuff like ranch soda to really good stuff like pennsylvania dutch birch beer that was just the first thought that came to mind so let me congratulate today's winner lauren perry 28 we're all clapping for you today lauren congratulations we're gearing up for another giveaway hey uh speaking of our original tiktok account got banned during a live stream at the eastgate store last week while we were talking about cheese it was a very weird thing this happens all the time like all these social a lot of these social media sites are now just like run by bots uh you'll probably see it get called ai i don't even know if i'd go that far but at the same time they're kind of the same thing anyway there's not really a whole lot of options and you can imagine i've spent like the last four or five days just writing emails to someone who is probably not an actual person it just keeps responding with form letters so okay it happens all the time to tiktok users that's kind of why a lot of people don't like tiktok however you can follow my new account there it's at jungle gyms official um I'll be doing more live stream stuff there too. Uh, however, I have to get over a thousand followers again. We lost at 50,000. So I'd like to get at least 49,000 of you back. Uh, that way I can go live there. So this week for the live stream, uh, I believe we're going to go live on YouTube this week, uh, since that is the platform I'm ultimately trying to grow, even though I've had a lot of great conversions. So thank you to everyone in TikTok who's come over and joined us on YouTube. It's also been a lot of fun to engage with you in the comments. This is exactly what I wanted this to do. So uh, we'll come up with some giveaway there. We'll do on the uh, live stream. So if you're obviously watching along on YouTube right now, that you'll get notified there. If anything changes, I'll make sure to post to the company's other social media channels, just so you know. So if uh, for some reason you jump in around 2 p.m. EST on Wednesday and you're like, wait a second, the YouTube page isn't live, double check our Instagram page, double check our Facebook page, and there will probably be something there. It might be in the Instagram stories, whatever. I'll let you all know for sure. Great. All right. This this week's episode is going to be awesome. I'm super hyped about this. Uh, I met this. I met our main guest this week, Dan Wallert. Um, I don't know why I said it that way. Waller. Uh, I met Dan about a year ago at this 100-year anniversary of Chili event. Uh, and then shortly after, saw him on the History Channel. I was like, oh, damn, that guy lives here. Crazy. I should really bother him a lot. So I did that. Uh, we finally made some time. And I was like, you know, Dan, uh, he's a food etymologist. So he can tell you all about the history of things, all kinds of interesting stuff. And we're like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could dive into a little of our local Germanic culture and also dive into a little of our local Germanic treats that are here at Jungle Gyms that you can get in the holidays. It's pretty cool very looking very much looking forward to your response to that dan's great uh you should definitely check out his blog i'll put all the details in the link so you can earn that additional info so you can check that out but i thought i would also test out a new segment here because you know i uh i've had most of the store managers that i've been able to get who have wanted to come on the show say it that way um since i started here and i was just like you know there's a lot of flavor in the store that sometimes gets left on the table so I thought I'd start by just grabbing one of our front end representatives. And I was like, hey, when can you come in? So he came in after work. Uh, and conveniently, that's right now. So I think it's time that you meet Ray. Hello, how are you? Well, so Ray, truly introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do here at Jungle Gyms? Hi, I am Ray Jones. I work as a supervisor head cashier here at Jungle Gyms. That's awesome. Well, 
Welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thank I you. am excited about this. Look, I, I shouldn't even bury this in. Well, no, let's just, how long have you worked here? Um, minus me being out for a couple months, almost six years. That's awesome. Congratulations. I, I, I've worked in retail for almost a decade, and this is the best spot I've worked in. Part cool. I And one of the reasons I thought, well, you and I hit it off early on in my time here, but I was like, okay, as I've been trying to get more and more people on the show, I thought it might, you're gonna you're effectively my guinea pig for a segment I thought might be fun in general, which is just a little short bit where we meet I'm other employees. I'm always going to be a guinea pig. Yeah, we've had a lot of, we've had almost all the managers on the show, and I'm like, okay, let's sure. let's see who else is working here, right? Let's meet Absolutely. the people. Well, so, okay, let's, let's dive into this. A few months ago, you were like, hey, I see you have some fun memorabilia in your office. Mm -hmm. I just built something really cool. If you'd like to display it, I'd love to have it. And I was like, first off, emotionally bowled over. I was like, that's so nice of him. Yeah. Uh, and more importantly, it was incredible. So why don't you tell us what you built here? So back in 2019 for my birthday, I got myself the Lego 1989 Batmobile. I'm cool. a big, big, big Lego collector. It's my favorite thing to do. And when I first started working here at Jungle, my first inclination was to come to the toy section when I first started working here. Yeah. And their Lego section was incredible. And so that really started getting me into it. And I built this guy right here. It took me almost two days, but it's, it's my favorite pastime to do. Yeah. And I love seeing these little kids come through and see these Lego sets and it gets them excited about it because it still keeps me excited about the brand as well. Yeah. yeah so uh, I don't know if you said this, but you did say it to me in person, but this is... Is this the biggest one you've ever built? Yes. Uh, it's 3,183 pieces. That is wild. Yes. I can't even imagine. Like, I'm just trying to remember, like, I was a huge Lego guy for so much of my life. Yeah. Back before they had any of the branded stuff. Oh, for sure. And then it was just like, you know, time got away from me a little bit. But there was also that, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 28 this year. Okay, cool. So we have enough of an age gap between us where yeah. like that decade difference, like people were not nice about you doing <laughs> youthful minded stuff when I was at a right Absolutely. age, right? They were like, grow up, right? Yeah. And so I missed out a lot of it. And then when it came back, cause like as a kid, I always wanted Star Wars Lego. And oh. now that they have that, I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, can I go back in time? It's crazy. Like when you go back to like when 99 hit and the Phantom Menace stuff started coming out yeah. to where we are now, it's insane. Like the stuff they're putting out this year is crazy. Yeah. What are some of the other big uh, sets that you've done? Um, I recently did the Voltron set, which cool. is uh, buildable and detachable. You can take all the lions off and put them all back together. Really? It's it's insane how they did it. That's cool. Uh, I recently did uh, the Lego Sanctorum for Doctor Strange. Okay. That's both uh, Avengers Infinity War and No Way Home. It okay. was really, really dope. And I'm looking forward to the Avengers Tower coming out this year. That's my other big one I'm looking forward to. But I mainly stick with Star Wars. That's where my go-to is. That's always my go-to with Lego. That's cool. Uh, DC just got the lucky when it came to this because this is my favorite Batmobile of any era. And they absolutely nailed it. Like, you can remove the cockpit. Oh, yeah. You, pop it open. If you So you can do this with I remember it. you showed me that day. I was like, But this so is cool. my coolest thing about it. So if you go back here and you turn that dial where huh? the afterburner is, if you watch the guns, guys, they pop up. Oh, what? Yeah, that's awesome. So they actually <laughs> pop up like they do I in the movie. I know they popped up. Like, I was like, am I breaking it? No. Oh, and that is so when cool. When you look over here on the sides, like they have like the ammunition yeah, on the side of them cool. too. Little belt fed uh, bullets. That's so cool. And then it comes with these three exclusive minifigures, which is Batman, Joker, and Vicky Vale. And this is the first time they used a one piece for the cowl, much like with Keaton. Oh, so yeah. the Lego minifigure can't even turn so his head. So he can't turn his head. He can't turn his head. It makes it accurate, which I think is awesome. It's one of those things that if you, there are casual bat fans out there watching this right now, you've maybe never noticed this. But now that you've heard this, that any, watch anytime Michael Keaton turns around and it's either of his- It's my favorite thing. Yeah. When, you look, when you look at old stuff for 89. <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, he turns his entire body. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what I meant? I watched The Flash somewhat recently, and I forget if they built his suit that way too. Michael Keaton 
personally ask Andy Muschietti not to, to not, to, not, do not to do that with the helmet because it would not feel the same. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. To not to so he kept it as one piece. He kept it as one piece. I he, feel like they just didn't let him move much. But also, I think maybe being in his late sixties, yeah, he really, some he really of that. can't exactly you know do a drop kick from afar. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, my hottest take this year is that the Flash was nowhere near as bad as everyone wanted me to think it was. No, it's not as bad as everybody thinks it no, is. It was they're, totally they're, fine. There, there is redeeming qualities of that movie for sure. It was better than Ant Man four. We don't three. talk about Quantum exactly. Media, man. We don't talk about that. Not even the Lego sets do that. Not even the Lego sets do that movie justice. It I know. Really I feel really so bad. Sad. I love you, Paul Rudd. You but know? they keep giving you the small end of the stick. No pun intended. Yeah, for real. I love that we get to live in a time where nerd culture is now pop culture. Listen, I I watch a guy on YouTube named MGo three sixteen. If you never mm -hmm. watched him, look at him. He's a tour reviewer, and at the end of every review, he says, "Be geek and be proud." And I live by that motto every day. I don't let people tell me not to be a nerd that there's no reason for it. This is what brings me joy. I am buying this instead of cocaine off the street. And that's my philosophy. I'm well, you my could get farm to table cocaine. You know, that's very true, but I- Fair trade. But this is like, this is why I- I love, I love it. I love meeting people like you, and I love meeting people here that work, that work at our store that are not afraid to show their geekdom. Like it's not something you should be ashamed of anymore. No, not at all. Express it. Love it. I'm an active Masters of the Universe collector, and I yeah. love showing that off. I have my own YouTube channel, and I love showing off my collections and my hauls whenever I get them. That's so cool. And so, you know, the people out there who people tell you to not do that, don't listen to them. Yeah. Let this be your passion, yeah. and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That's a great way to look at life in general. I that's think. my that's philosophy really, on it. I'm glad. I'm so glad we did this. This is already a great test of this format. And definitely come to Jungle Gyms and look at the toy store. I do work here, but please come to the toy store. We have some <laughs> of the... It, it's no, like, realistically, the more they shop here, the more cool stuff you and I get access to it's as real, well. It's, it's honestly God the truth. I, I, this, this part of the store has gotten so much bigger and they've put so much more emphasis on it. It makes me so happy. And by the way, I should mention, and not just Fairfield too. I don't know if you've seen what they did at Eastgate. Eastgate's got a similar I have not, I've expansion. Not been to the, I've not been to the Eastgate expansion yet. They did and great too. I'll probably do a, a well, uh, it'll air before this comes out, but I'll probably go, I might go over there tomorrow yeah. in real time uh, to do a little thing about that for their TikTok it's, too. It's incredible. Like, but now with like Toys R Us, KB Toys, those kind of stores gone, gone yeah. we have like the mom and grop shops, which we have one here in Fairfield, the toy department. I will recommend the crap out of them every time. It's yeah. one of the best stores here in the, in the in the area. But our toy store is basically like a Toys R Us without being one. Right. And it's a great way to like show your kids like, hey, this is what we had back when we were young. And That's it right. makes me so upset that we don't have that anymore. Yeah. The only thing they don't have here are Nintendo 64s, you know? And if only, if right? only. Listen, Nintendo Jeffrey, if you're watching, please do an N64 classic. And Jeffrey, Order it. Nintendo, if you're watching, make the Micro 64, <laughs> put it in Jungle Gyms. We'll promote the crap out the of it. The real one I want is a Micro Sega Dreamcast. Uh, I love I my, think you're on your own pedestal there, I my think, friend. Yeah, no, no, there's a lot of us in my in my uh, demo that would kill to have that again. Every Sonic fan's like, yes, do it. Yeah, and I'm like, ugh, the Sonic games are the worst games. It's one of the most unique consoles that ever existed in the gaming landscape. And I agree. so many things that occurred now, naturally, they did in 1998 and 9. Well, 8, or I guess... Was it, yeah, 98 in it Japan was 98. and then 99 in the US, yeah. Anyway, I'm being a big nerd. All right, let me wrap on this, Ray. What is, if there's one thing that we could bring in here, it doesn't have to necessarily be toy related, but I know you love them, so please. Um, what is one thing that you wish we either had more of or carried outright? I honestly, for me, it is a, I love our variety and selection, but I really wish they would give more time to other brands that we, that here in the toy section, 
um, when I first started working here, we had a bunch of like micro mini sets. Okay, those that, are like the smaller Lego that were sets, on right? the more cheaper side because cool. we are definitely on the higher end side when it comes to our Lego sets. Yeah, because all of our Lego sets are like the huge, the, like, the, the, like fifty thousand pieces, exactly, right? or something Here's like that. Here's a full life size replica of the Empire State Building. Right, <laughs> right, and like we have that awesome Indiana Jones one. Oh, there. that looks so cool. And I guarantee you, kids look at that and go, "Wow, that's awesome." I think it'd be really cool if we brought back like the twenty dollars, thirty dollars sets we used to have. Cool, because that'd be a great way to gateway these kids into Lego and not feel overbearing about it. That's because cool. when you first look at like a big set like this, it's very intimidating. I can't even imagine. It's it's the scariest thing to start a big set like that because you're like, where do I begin? Because like instructions do help, but it's very complicated and it gets very aggravating. With smaller sets, it gets you building to that process. Right. And so for me, like that and like transformers and that kind of stuff, because it's a wide appeal. They rely on Funko, but I think we should like, you know, have more action figures here and not just rely on that kind of stuff. And Funko's so, I think the big thing is that it's so popular. Yes. It's like hard, to, but I, look. We have a giant Funko Michael Keaton over it's there. It's very for cool, by the oh. way. I mean, and the thing is, look, I never want to be one of those people that's like, don't like this, but Funko is one of those things that it just, I couldn't get into the design. I don't really love the way they look. I have Conceptually, four. I dig it. You I know? have four in total. I, I have a, I have a Grogu. I have an Iron Man, a Hulk. And oh, who's the other one? And Optimus Prime. Oh, Those are my four. Yeah, because I, I know he's your favorite, right? Uh, dude, Peter Collins, my man, my yeah. man. I tell you, I'm doing the Eeyore voice now, though. Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> I e love it. That's when I'm like, roll out and transform. You know, it's, it's like Optimus Prime on a sad day. It's like Megatron finally won. Oh, get out of here. Be shush. Yeah, exactly. That's so good. Oh, oh. my gosh, right? You were an absolute delight. Thanks for coming well, in. Thank and doing you. This I appreciate and thank it. you for letting me just wait. And hey, everybody, if you come by the office, you literally I have it's this window right work. here. I love where you guys have it with the Magneto head just sitting on top of it, like. Magnetism with a car. <laughs> I literally was like, originally, I meant to move it somewhere else. And then I was like, I mean, it doesn't look bad. No. And I was like, okay, we'll do it. And then. Yeah, then it's been months. But no, thank you, truly. It really was really cool of you to offer that in the first place. I really appreciate that. I right? love how much of a geek you are, and I love yeah. how much you show it, and it's really cool to have it here with your guys' collection. It truly is to me. Ray, thanks for letting me display the Lego, baby. It's awesome. Looking forward to it. Hope we get more. And hey, if you're someone here at the Jungle that's like, I have a fun story to tell, or I'm passionate about something I do here at work at Jungle Gyms, drop me a line, podcast at junglegyms.com. And honestly, that goes for any of you in the audience, too. You can also say, hey, Mark, I'd love to, I don't know, do something with you. <laughs> I didn't really think that sentence through. But, you know, you can give me feedback, all that kind of great stuff, too. Anyway, uh, awesome. Well, thanks, Ray. Now, moving on, let me introduce you to the uh, the lion's share of the portion today here. Uh, I want you to meet my pal, Dan. Hey. This is so exciting. Dan, before we go into this unexpected preemptive thing here, uh, tell us who you are and what you do. So I'm a local food etymologist, not entomologist. So I don't eat bugs. I study. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Until you make me. Uh, I study the origins of food, you know, so every, every food that we eat really has kind of a fun story. We have a lot of family history that um, pairs with the food that our family's been eating for many generations. So Love it. I write about that. I have a blog called Dan Wellert, the food etymologist. Perfect. And I've written a couple of books about our weird local foods like Geta, uh, Cincinnati Chili, our candy, weird candy industry. Yeah. And historic restaurants. So that's so cool. Yeah. And you've been on like, was it History Channel Food Network? It was one of the two of those, right? It was, yeah. Uh, the Food That Built America. I, was that, I couldn't remember the name. It was driving me nuts today. I was trying to tell someone before. I was like, this is actually very cool. Yeah. In this uh, like unair conditioned uh, third floor warehouse in <laughs> New Jersey, <laughs> in the middle of the hottest, you know, the hottest month of. Uh, the summer. Of course. I'm, went out I'm filming, too. you know, it's like 
don't sweat too much. And you know, you got two cameras on you and you're like, Right. And lights and everything. That's yeah. why we went all LEDs here. I'm like, I'm just sweating because of other poor choices, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so awesome. Well, Dan, thank you truly. For, I know we've been talking about this for a while. So thanks for coming out and doing yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. Really thanks for having me. Well, you know, I know we had the liquid death out here today, but I had another visit from one of my other favorite uh, beverage brands. So right before we got here, Mountain Dew came by and shout out guys. Thanks, Rob, Paul, Nick, you guys are the best, but they brought us, this is the brand new flavor. It should have just hit shelves by the time this episode comes out. Uh, it's not brand new. It's actually returning favorite uh those of you who played halo 3 with me in 2006 or whatever they brought back mountain dew game fuel which i'll describe it for you dan it's mountain dew with a blast of citrus cherry and other natural flavors oh my god so i'm curious what to think and then they have a whole new flavor too which is called mystic punch with a blast of fruit punch and other natural flavors so i figured <laughs> you want to try this cheers yeah cheers prost yes <laughs> well that's pretty good yeah and it, and for those of you longtime uh, Game Fuel fans, it tastes exactly the way I remember it, which is really, I feel like, the, well, you kind of touched on food memories already and like the nostalgic end of that. And there is something to it, even something as silly as this. I mean, I can literally think about my old apartment playing Xbox, sipping on way too many of these in the middle of the night, probably doing some other things, uh, you know, <laughs> classic Halo days. Yeah. So, all right, let's do uh, let's do the fruit punch, and then we'll move into the real sure, actual yeah. part of the show. Well, you know, what do you think? By the way, it, that was good, and I always sort of judge a new pop flavor by mm -hmm. will this go well in a bourbon cocktail? Ooh, and I, I think like, that would pair very well with a bourbon. That's a great point. I feel I'm hoping this one will too. And this Ooh, this was this, this is Mystic Punch Mountain Dew with a blast of fruit punch. Okay, all right. Oh, I like that one too. I think I like, yeah, I like that. I was going to say I like that better, but I, I like it for different reasons. I think it's it's got a really good flavor. I can't believe, I'll be honest with you, tasting that, I'm kind of surprised Pepsi and Mountain Dew have not come up with a fruit punch Dew before. Right. That kind of is awesome. Yeah. It makes me think of what's the red one, uh, Tahitian treat. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of that, but I would say, honestly, I kind of prefer it. So thank you, Pepsi. Thank you, J&J &G Pepsi. I always get those. Ever since I learned French in high school, my brain's been broken on the J&G uh, in English uh, because they, they're swapped in French. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, because you're like, J, J. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're backwards, so my whole life. Anyway, J&J Pepsi. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Just blowing it. All right, Dan. So the reason we were doing this is it's obviously getting up on holiday season here. Yeah. And I thought this was a good way in. And I was like, Dan, what's a list of things that you feel comfortable teaching me about? <laughs> but we carry so much cool stuff from international, and I don't think there's enough... Uh, we're not given enough expertise usually on this kind of thing, which I thought would be really cool just to sit here and listen to you talk for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love holiday at Jungle Gyms because all of these cool products that we have never, some of them we probably never heard of, most people have never heard of, sure. come out in the international aisles, particularly like the European aisles, like German aisle, the um, Dutch aisle, the English aisle. And, you know, my, my sort of favorite is gingerbread. And in, in America, our gingerbread is very molasses-y, yes. um, kind of crispy. But like in Europe, every region has a different version of gingerbread. If you start like the Rhine River that forms kind of the west boundary of Germany today, mm -hmm. you start in the Netherlands and you get Dutch gingerbread like The Pfeffernus. The Pfeffernus. And then as you go down the Rhine, you get to like Alsace-Lorraine and they have a kind of a blondie cakey version of it. Oh, interesting. That sounds delicious. Yeah. And then you, you keep going down towards the, the southern end and you get like Nuremberg. This is my 
my favorite. I awesome. love, this is the best gingerbread in the world. I I'm so excited to try it with you too, because I've just, it's been one of those things where I'm like, I, I love gingerbread and I've got a lot of family spread out all over Europe and just all over. And so it's been one of those things where I'm like, all right, is this a time? And so I know my German <laughs> family watching over there right now, Gregory, if you're watching this, hopefully you approve of both of us here today. Uh, I'm super excited. So is there one, I mean, if that's your favorite, should we leave with your favorite? Should we lead with a, should we work the way to, you know, save the best for last? We, well, let's, we could talk about this. Okay. I mean, it, it comes there. These are the two, probably the two best versions of Nuremberg gingerbread. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I like they, They've been making this gingerbread for 400 years. No kidding. In Nuremberg. I mean, they're super serious about this. They've got guilds that, you know, you have to go through like an apprenticeship to be able to learn how to make this gingerbread the right That's way. Because so cool. it, you know, literally this is a 400 plus year old recipe that they've been doing. So this is, this is kind of the OG, just yeah. the, the ice version. So one of the things that the Europeans are not afraid of that we are is the clove spice. Like they're... Yes. They're, they can lean into clove. And that's, you know, that's kind of the mix, the balance of what we call pumpkin spice, you know. Yeah. Nutmeg, cinnamon, cloves, ginger. Yeah. Like the, and, and the balance of that. And most of the time in America, we kind of air just with cinnamon forward, maybe yeah. a little bit of nutmeg. But if you have one of these, I mean, this is truly a spice gingerbread. And I think it, today we got to bust these out, obviously. Oh, my God. Yes. I brought them for us to eat. So okay. Oh, oh, good. I, be excited about this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We should eat them, and you should taste them. I'm excited about that, too. But the the other thing that, that's different about Nuremberg gingerbread is they, they have citron, so they do, like, lemon peel and oh. orange peel, so you get that citrus blast, too. That's really cool. Uh, you know, I was just thinking about well on the local end. Now I know the cookie end is a little more on the long along the lines of the like the American style gingerbread. But you said the citron made me think of it as Bombonnery does a really great gingerbread with a lemon frosting on it, oh, and that yeah. is really great this time. It's like yeah. one of my favorites. I wish it was one of the products they brought in here, but I don't think it shows up usually in the store. So I guess I'm gonna go there. But well, that's funny you mentioned that. If some friends of mine make this amazing like molasses gingerbread and they ice it with sort of a like a lemony sounds good to me yeah and now that we're in international market i feel like i should grab a yuzu and then do it you know it's like really get wild yeah. with it that's fun that would be excellent yeah. am i crazy in thinking that a lot of the more traditional ones also have like star anise or anise i, I always forget how to pronounce yeah. it properly like i said they i mean they're not afraid of like spice when they say spice cake yeah Literally, I mean, they're putting in more spices than we are. That's cool. I'm curious about the chocolate one, too. When you mentioned that, I was like, chocolate on gingerbread, huh? I was like, I trust Dan. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's really good. You'll be surprised What's because... I'll, the, I'll start opening while you all right, we tell... Yeah, we can do that. And um, Half the show is sampling, you know? <laughs> I love that. You should eat in a food show, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, absolutely. On. I have a buddy who always uh, is always mad about people eating in YouTube videos, and I'm like, so I'm always just like, I'm sorry, man. He's like... At least with your show, I kind of expect it. He's like, you know, what it was something else. Well, I'm, I'm, um, oh. I'm a misphonic, so like, like the sound of people like chewing mm -hmm. is kind of fun to, you know, yeah, fun to me. So that's awesome. I see. I've never met somebody that I'm always on the opposite. I guess would it be misphobic? I guess <laughs> you know where they're like, please don't ever breathe in front uh, of me. You know? Right? Yeah. Oh, the chocolate one is really cool. It's got like a kind of like a. I wasn't expecting that to be the backside. It's like a little frosty. Yeah. Looking. So they, it's like an oblaten. They call it. It's okay. like it's sort of like an edible um, sheet as they as they cook them. Oh, so that it doesn't stick to the pan. That makes sense. Yeah. And then like when you break it apart, you can kind of see that layer in there. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go classic chocolate first. There's that clove right there, right off the rip. Yeah. Oh man, 
And can you taste like the the lem- the citron and the in the chocolate one? Not yet, but okay. I bet in that one I could. Yeah. yeah. You know what I always love about any European treat, though. They're always so much less sweet than we get in the exactly. states. Exactly, it's like you Absolutely. can balance it out. Yeah, this is. I mean, this goes well with coffee, tea. You know, I almost want to do the the stroop waffle move and just put mm. it on top of my coffee while while the coffee cools off a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll break taste that and yeah. see what you think. The texture, by the way, another thing to note. Like, I mean, I know you did say it, but it's. Um, it is so noticeably different than whatever you get here. I mean, it's like a soft, spongy cookie. It's almost yeah. is bordering on cake-like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so as you move down the Rhine, um, you get to like Basel, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. They have their own version of um, gingerbread. Can you taste the citron? Oh, the citron screams in that in yeah. the plane. That's awesome. That's funny that the chocolate covers it up in that. I wonder if it, I'm sure it still has it in there. But I'm sure it does. But that came out so it's like that. I get the I get the citron and then I get the clove right behind it, and then the other flavors I mentioned like the like the cinnamon. Is it allspice maybe too? Yeah, yeah. Nutmeg and ginger. Yeah, that rules. Oh, that's so good. Of course, I that's the best that. one. Yeah, you made that isn't Dan one hundred percent bad a thousand already. I'm. <laughs> yeah, my favorite. Oh man, that's definitely something that should be integrated into your holiday meals if it if yeah, it isn't absolutely. already. Yeah, right. And be I'm almost ashamed to say it wasn't yet, but. <laughs> Yeah, we got them here now. And these last year, it was kind of funny. So uh, Jungle Gyms and Aldi's also care, or um, Jungle Gyms, uh, Fresh Market and Aldi's carry yeah. these. And they, people, you know, it's kind of a cult because when they put them out, they sell, they sell out almost immediately. Oh, so yeah. there was kind of a shortage of these and it was hard to find them until like right at Christmas time. Yeah. So, um Anyway, yeah. We stocked up really early this year, too. So it was funny. We noticed in the trends after last year, ours sold out really quick, too. Same thing. And so when I was talking to uh, one of our main buyers here, managers for the department, he was just like, oh, I got these coming in in October this year. So we nice. like started getting them in early. So I've been itching to do this bit. So, you know, obviously, we're at the beginning of November anyway. So we caught it in plenty of time. But I would say this is a great time if you are remotely interested in this. Because Dan's right. There is like a, uh, I, you said a cult. I think that's a great way to put it. I mean, yeah. I want to be in a gingerbread cult. Of all the cults, <laughs> like, they could use good PR. Um, occasionally. <laughs> good marketing. Yeah, yeah of course. Exactly. Why not? We'll do a cult podcast for them. We're like, listen, you can join. <laughs> nothing weird. Just gingerbread. But uh, yeah, come in early and get these because we've got a whole aisle set up of all kinds of stuff, which is where we got a lot of the things that we're trying today. Yeah. So. Well, should we move on to Pfeffernus? Yeah, I'd love to. Talk to me. So Pfeffernus, obviously similar as far as I understand, right? Like fairly similar, but I noticed there it's listed as glazed spice cookie. I always thought Pfeffernus was also gingerbread. Yeah, I, it is. A, it's a type of gingerbread, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is this is going to be crispier, more more similar to a crispy ger, uh, American gingerbread, although okay. it doesn't use molasses. But it's you're going to get Pfeffer is pepper. In oh, German. cool. Yeah. And Nuss is nut. So nutty, peppery cookie. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So we're going to get some crunch and we're going to get some spice in these. So let's. Oh, yeah. I'm up for that. Let's try it. And that. I love that they've, again, you get the soft glaze on there too. Thank you, sir. Yep. Again, little... great with coffee. Yeah. The smell is awesome on these too. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you nailed it on the this being a little closer to what I would ex- expect as, as far as the American version would taste like. Yeah. But that pepper note is awesome. It just yeah. adds that little legit spice to it. Right. Oh, and man. you can you can get these um, at bakeries around town. Yeah. German bakeries make these around the holiday season. 
What's funny, um, in Amsterdam, there are a chain of stores called Pepper Nuts, and all they sell is these Pfeffernuss cookies in like a hundred different flavors. They got like really? raspberry and chocolate and coffee flavored. Yeah, that all sounds these, good too. Yeah. With, you know, it's not necessarily, they're not all necessarily gingerbread, but it's the same form of cookie, but super popular in um, the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. So is that where they were from originally? Yeah. Amazing. I love that. I got to stop in the middle of this too. How in the hell did you even get into this? line of work were you just like a food fan you're like i'm diving in yeah i mean i i'm i've been a genealogy geek okay since high school yeah and part of that you know family history stuff is the recipes that your families make sure and i was always the geek like looking over my granny's shoulder like hey how you making that yeah and you know one one granny um was very much into like sharing that experience and the other granny was very um you know sort of tight tight in the apron about sharing her recipes. <laughs> tight in the apron, I love that. <laughs> she was, I mean, she was a great cook, but, you know, we, unfortunately, we don't, you know, unless you watched her and, you know, filmed her. Right. You know, you didn't have that, um, the experience. So anyway. That's really So cool. that's, yeah, that's, it kind of started in the home and, you know, I'm a history geek and, you know, there's all these amazing stories behind food. You know, the Cincinnati Chili story, the Geta story, you know, the story behind, um, you know, all these baked goods that we have. Yeah. One thing, I don't know if you guys uh, have it here, uh, Schnecken. Do you guys ever carry Schnecken? Uh, yes, but I think we're probably like a week too early for it to start showing up in the okay. shows. Because I've seen it before. I've never tried that, too. Is yeah. that something else I need to add to my waistline? <laughs> Waste, yeah. And that will, let me tell you, that will add to your waistline if, you know. Yeah, if you love it. It's yeah. all butter. Um, oh, sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, terrible. It's terrible, let me tell you. But Schnecken is the German word for snail. So that's, oh. it's, it's a kind of a rolled, looks like a snail shell. That's so cool. I had no idea. I mean, I've seen it before, but now knowing that, that's fun. Yeah. You know, it's funny to me how simple a lot of these little translations are, you know? And I'm not, so I'm not from the area originally. So it's like, I didn't have that. I love being here because it is such a German town still. I mean, you really get that feeling. And even just driving through a little, you know, like Marymount, for example, you're like, oh, the influence is here. Even. Yeah, you know what I mean? you can see it. Yeah, yeah I love it. You yeah. know, and then it'd be able to try it through like the food too. That's obviously my favorite part in that regard. Have you ever been weirded out by someone that like says please instead of excuse me? Is Have that, you, is this the bitter story? Yes, I, like, You should tell everybody because that was one of my, when I first moved here, I remember I was, I was still fairly young, but I remember my parents being like, why does everybody keep saying please at the end of these sentences? Right. They're like, yeah. you know, because on the East Coast, it was like, excuse me, or I part, you know, like the yeah. other terms of it. So, so Dan, why is it that they say that here? So in German, mm -hmm. um, excuse me, or could you repeat that? Or, you know, anything that we associate with the term excuse me mm -hmm. is bitter. And so um, the, the most prominent uh, translation of that in English is please. So when the Germans that were sort of bilingual and passed it down to their generations, whenever somebody, um, you know, s said, wanted to say, excuse me, they said, please, instead. That's so kind cool. of weird. I love it. Yeah. And unique, though. Yeah, it's unique. It's very Cincinnati. The other the other thing, have, has anyone ever said Gesundheit after you um, Yes, post-sneeze. Yeah. yeah. And what does that actually translate? It means good health. Oh, good health. Cool. Yeah. I'm into that. That's a good, that's a cheers I can get behind. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got all these weird, 
you know, third and fourth generation, you know, language things. <laughs> I that love that. Still stick around. What are the, you know, the Gesundheit thing? I'm laughing at it because I feel like if more people knew it meant good health, I think less people would say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Exactly. They're like, oh, is that what it means? Okay. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, I thought it meant something a little bit more salacious. Right. That. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, I hope your house burns down. You know, <laughs> I don't hope anyone's house burns down unless my enemies are watching. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let me ruin your good name today, Dan. Okay. Uh, great. Uh, <laughs> half the show is just me laughing with my guests and just like, all right, moving on. Um, so then we, okay, so from here, I feel like we should say in the somewhat Germanic end, so we've got what, the uh, the, the Dutch cookies, right? Yeah, so this is another thing from um, Holland, and it's called Speculos. What is, yeah. And this is like, this is definitely like the biscuit version. Okay. The, you know, the, crunch, the crispy ver cookie version of gingerbread. Okay. And they actually, um, they've also start speculos is so, um, popular in Dutch in, in Holland, in Dutch cuisine, mm -hmm. that they actually make sort of a peanut buttery thing out of it. So I think we carry that too. Yeah, yeah. I think you do. Yeah. So you can, you can spread that on your toast and in Holland, in the Netherlands, the kids put sprinkles on top of their peanut butter and their speculos. Interesting. Yeah. It's I mean, I would try it. What's, what's wrong with that? Yeah. It's funny. I'm like, after I was just done saying, it's like, you know, over in Europe, it's way less sweet. And they're like, well, I'll let the kids ruin it for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. They pour these sugary, you know, thing. The, the Dutch have some pretty interesting culinary um, things that they that they do over there, is especially there the kids. I was going to say, is there anything that sticks out? You had that like twinkle in your eye. I was like, is there anything that sticks out to you? Because I know very little of Dutch cuisine. Well, I at mean, least that I'm aware of. If you're if you're in Amsterdam and you see people going like this with a um, pickled herring. OK, that's pretty common. Yeah. People walking down the street just, eat, you know, <laughs> engulfing a, a herring that they've got a pickled herring. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. That's that's an interesting. I should have had, you know, I wish I knew you better last year because last year we did a whole Swedish Yule board on the show with oh one of my Swedish God. friends. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it again this year. If you're down, I, I'd be into it. But we ate a lot of pickled. We did. Was it Matiasil? I think it is herring as well that they were eating. Matcha, yeah, that's yeah. absolutely. Uh, so we were doing that. We had it like the dill versions. We had one in like a delicious mustard sauce. That was so good. I yeah. didn't think, look, I love seafood, but I don't know if I love pickled seafood usually. I was surprised how much I loved it, going through the, that. The, uh, that spicy mustard sauce is pretty good. It's super I'm, good. I was like, oh gosh, what is this? Yeah. I, everything we tried was awesome. The only thing I didn't really get behind was the, uh, the pickled roe in the toothpaste tube. Oh yeah, have you ever paste. tried that? Yeah, um, I've seen it. I haven't really had the opportunity or the reason to try it. <laughs> I was so. just saying, I was like, maybe feel free to skip it. I don't think it'll ruin your life if you miss out on yeah. this one. It was like, uh, how should I say? It was just imagine the saltiest like ocean flavor you've ever tried in your life. Someone probably loves it out there. Oh yeah, the, you know Scandinavia. Right. <laughs> well, what? How did they serve it? Like on bread or crackers yeah, like uh, or these something? like uh, we had this. I forget what the cracker was, but it was a, it was a uh, like a Swedish style cracker that we carried out in the store. So yeah, it was just a very like kind of dark wheat flavor. Yeah. Crackers were awesome, but like the paste was just. It was fine. It was whatever it was. It yeah. was exact. It was one of those things where we ate everything that was on the show. And I remember like a week or two later going in the fridge to clean out what was left. Oh, no. I was like, oh, everything's gone. Except for the tube of salmon row. <laughs> so that was when we have a section upstairs uh, for our employees. So anytime like... Anytime there's something left over on the show that I'm not eating, I bring it up and share it with everybody in the office to make sure. 
And that was one of those ones I remember bringing it up there. And I think it sat for a very long time before someone eventually was like, no one's ever going to take this. Just throw it out. <laughs> just throw you it know? away. Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay. Take it off the yeah, table. Yeah, we're very proud of not making food waste here, you know, doing stuff with like lost soup and all that. But then it was like, well, maybe the same row was the one time we had to throw something out. So yeah. I'm sorry to distract so much from it. <laughs> so we got stuck on the eating the herring out the, Yeah, the pickled herring. I would. I think I would do that now, though. I think I now have the confidence having done that here out of a right. jar. I'm like, okay, no, that's probably better fresh yeah i mean it's it's so funny because it's so common it, it's like they're you know are they sword swallowing what are they doing you know right. until you realize oh that's a pickled fish that they're eating <laughs> that, but that guy is swallowing a sword that, that guy is literally <laughs> yeah. swallowing a sword. it's weird how often they do it just right outside the circus <laughs> um you know one thing before we get into the speculus even though it is kind of in the in the ballpark of everything or i, I guess maybe more for the mince pies but um What's the why behind gingerbread? Was like, was they were these spices just abundant over there, and that was the thing they came up with? Well, you know, the the spice trade uh, really centered around the Netherlands and Amsterdam. Okay. I mean, uh, there was um, like a, a handful of nutmegs, six nutmegs back in the 1600s could buy you a house. That's how expensive those things were, and. How many handfuls today? Yeah, yeah, really. How many? I mean, nut, you know, nutmeg is ubiquitous now, but I mean, um, back then it was gingerbread was kind of the um, the confections of the royals and the people that could afford those spices. Sure, but you know, spices are also good ginger, especially with digestion, and you know, sort of the not the witch doctors, but the you know the country you know, pharmacists, yeah. they would mix these spices together. So people were starting, you know, after like the 1700s, were getting used to these spices. And so um, it, you know, became more for the masses, I guess. That's really cool. Yeah. I always love hearing those kinds of stories too. It's crazy. I, I did a chocolate episode last year and I tried to dive deep. Bit, well, last year, it might be two years ago now. But learning about how uncommon chocolate was, for example, until really World War II. Yeah, right. I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, that's like, you know, just outside of my parents' lifetime, which is mind-blowing to me to think that there's a time where, you know, now it's everywhere. Same thing with pizza. I mean, we didn't have pizza until like the late 50s in Cincinnati. And That's crazy. A lot of people, um, there's uh, talk of an Italian festival over on the west side that had was one of the first places to have pizza. And, you know, the, the non-Italian people would come and they would mistake it for strawberry shortcake. Because <laughs> that's funny, yeah. You know, it was Colors, red, yeah, it makes red sense. Sauce with a little bit of cheese, not the mounds of mop, you know, soppy melted mozzarella that we have today. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, even within our parents' lifetime, pizza wasn't a thing until they were Crazy. in their teens, maybe. Right. It's wild to think about, and now everything is everywhere all yeah, the time. It's right. Cur- so crazy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. So I wonder what the first pizza tasted like here. <laughs> you know. That was a hard move from the East Coast to Cincinnati was yeah. La Rosa's. Yeah. That's one I just really, I, st- I struggle to get behind it still. It's just too sweet for me. It is very, it's cloyingly sweet, I right. think. Yeah. Oh, I would I would say it probably meaner than that. I mean, I don't want, <laughs> never want to be mean to anybody. I'm like, I'm sure. glad you're here. I'm glad people love you. I, it's just not for me, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that was always a thing where I was always like, oh, is that a mid, is that like a Midwest thing, adding the sweetener, do you think? I think that's a Cincinnati La Rosa's thing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, sorry that we're derailing to pizza now, but I'm like, I have you here, Dan. I'm getting all of my notes out. Yeah. Well, so it, what, you know, everybody attributes the sweet sauce to Buddy LaRose's. Yeah. I mean, he's the, he's the businessman, but it was really his aunt Dina, Oh. her sauce. And she was from, 
uh, Naples. And so the San Marzano tomato yeah. is kind of native there. And that's a very sweet tomato if you've ever cooked with it. And yeah. um, they added to the sweetness by adding sugar to the sauce. Sure. And it becomes the sweet La Rosa sauce that a lot of people like. You it's, know. Very, it's unique. Let's put it that it's way. It's super know? unique. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I feel so bad saying I'd say it meaner. I mean, I would, but only for comedic purposes. Yeah. I'm sorry, but the Rosa family is just tuned out of the show permanently. <laughs> right. Yeah, old buddy is over on the west side. <laughs> He's just shaking his fist at me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you know how to use YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> at a certain age, we all become tech support for our families. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to derail you on uh, that. Yeah, but you know what? Before we do, I do have one more question about uh, Cincinnati food heritage in general. Is there like a certain Cincinnati food story that you really like to tell more often than not? Because I know we've touched on the chili a few times. Uh, I've had chili touch me, unfortunately, a few times. Yeah. <laughs> the way you said it. <laughs> I think you might be the only guy, food guy in Cincinnati that's actually bathed in it. It's true. I honestly was the whole all day today. I have it jarred, by the way, all day. And I've been like, should I give Dan a jar of that? Is that weird? <laughs> oh, you mean the you've jarred, jarred the, the actual chili? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We kept if it's been sitting here forever. We're just like, well, look, one day this is gonna be a collector's item. I was like, you know, there's some weirdo out there that would probably buy it now, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think that funny enough. So I tie into that because, like, look, one of the first things that helped me move the needle in my career was a short film I did a few years back called Chiluminati. Because when I first got here, I was like, there's no way that there is a chili-based economy that pretty much predominantly exists within the 275 loop. And I was like, wait a second, there's two companies, one's red, one's blue. I was like, oh, no, no, no. And so I had this running joke forever about the chili mafia. And I was like, it's just one family. And they did this so that they create this, the, you know, obviously not real. But once that popped off, that was when the chili thing started being associated with me all the time. And so then I met you the first time was actually at that thing at Mount St. Joe last year. Right, for where, the 100th anniversary. Where I was with what I call the actual Chiluminati. And I, the, it was really funny because the place they set me was like a perfect line of all three of the heads of chili. I was just like, uh-oh, if the Chiluminati was real, they should not have let me in this today. Sitting in the center, yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, I was like oh my gosh, what a bunch of sitting ducks. But it was so silly. So yeah, of course, you know, obviously with you having so much knowledge around the Cincinnati thing, I figured obviously it might come around chili. But do you have like a, a favorite little uh, Cincinnati tale? My favorite story yes. in Cincinnati is the story of our tartar sauce dressed double deckers. Oh, yes, please. So um, we are definitely a tartar sauce town. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, we um, <laughs> one of our first uh, burger shops in the late 40s was Frisch's. Okay. And so Frisch, David Frisch um, had restaurants that were unsuccessful in Norwood. And he goes to this food um, convention out in California and meets the, the guy, the brothers behind McDonald's. Oh, okay. Um, and then he also meets Bob Wyan, who was the guy behind Big Boy. Oh. Both of those burgers are tartar sauce dressed on the, or not tartar sauce, Thousand Island dressed. Okay. In, on the West Coast. So he buys the uh, Bob Wyan's Frisch's um, franchise and brings it to Cincinnati. Bought it for a dollar. The guy was no just, um, wanted to expand the, the the franchise. And that's why it's Bob's big boy everywhere else. Yeah. Okay. That, another one of those. Frisch's big boy here, here in Cincinnati. Again, one of those things where like, you know, we'd see Bob, I remember the drive back home between, you know, East Coast and here. It was always funny to me because I'm like, why is it Bob's big boy until we get to like 
Cincinnati, pretty much. Yeah. I'm glad you just like unlocked a key memory for me. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, no problem. So, so you know, he brings the burger here. He doesn't like Thousand Island, and he decides to put tartar sauce on the big boy instead of Thousand Island. And there are all these like, you know, Me Too copycat burger shops um, in Cincinnati that come after um, Frisch's, mm-hmm. and they're all putting tartar sauce on their burgers. And so if you were from the West Coast, you know, and we're familiar with um, Bob's Big Boy or McDonald's, you'd be like, what the heck is this white sauce that they're dressing their all their burgers yeah. with here in Cincinnati? So another weird thing about Cincinnati is that we are sort of ground zero for tartar sauce dressed hamburgers. I, you know what? I'm trying to think. I don't think I've had it, honestly, really outside of the area. I'm trying to think of all my travels. But even funnier, I only recently tried it on a burger for the first time like a couple months ago. Isn't that crazy? I've been here for like really? 25 years. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I'll get around to it. And well, I did. It just took a quarter of a century. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, I was surprised how much I liked it. It's, yeah. It, it was, it's it was a, a very unique thing. It wouldn't be my number one. I think I might actually lean more Thousand Island long term. Yeah. I'm feeling the Russian dressing coming out of me. Uh, you know, but uh, no, it was, it was surprisingly delicious. I love that too. A dollar. I always love that there's a story like that too. Like on a handshake deal and a, right, you know, on a napkin, a in, handful of nutmeg. Yeah. <laughs> I bought the house for, yeah. And it's funny if you go to Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, there are all the all those legacy burger shops will not serve ketchup; they only serve um, mustard or mayo. Oh, cool! Why why no to ketchup? Um, I I don't know. I don't know why they look down on ketchup. That's that's a story I need to dive into. And maybe that's our next episode. You and me road trip. We'll go up. And we'll try a bunch Heck of these yeah. burgers, and we'll find and we will find out why they hate ketchup. We'll get behind this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> big ketchup has to know. Yes, big ketchup <laughs> must know why. It's funny because I'm like, it's a fine condiment. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily ban it, but at the same time, I'd be, you know, it's not my number one choice. But I would love to find this out. Yeah, what What is your uh, condiment of choice? Dipping. For fries. For fries. Okay, so, you know, funny enough here, somebody got me hip to a little while back. Um, There's a frite sauce from Holland that we carry in here. Oh, yeah. And there's a couple versions of them. They're all different slightly in flavor, even though I think the recipe is pretty close. So there's a squeeze bottle one that's decent. Um, But the two, actually, funny enough, even though I just finished saying, I'm like, I don't really enjoy a lot of ketchup. The two (laughs) lately that have been heavy in the rotation is the... um, cannot remember the brand name, but it's a German name. And I want to say it starts with like Gerstwein or some, something like that. Um, but they have a curry, like a curry ketchup sauce for fries. That is my jam. Dude, it's so good. Yeah. I love curry anyway. So I was like, oh, but it may, to me, it takes something like ketchup, which I kind of find like a little too sweet, and a little kind of just boring now. Uh, and classes up the joint a little bit, yeah. you know, and anybody else that's watching you eat it is like, oh, that doesn't seem like a weird color. Sauce. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, you're not going to get the weird looks if it was, it was pink or green or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. But that one uh, and then the frites sauce, which uh, in fries, I don't know how to describe it, but it almost reminds me of like a pit potato salad dressing for French fries. Oh, okay. So it hits a little bit more vinegar note. It's like a little just tangier almost. Yeah. I thought that was really good. I'm trying to think of what else I've put on fries recently. I'm, I'm, you know, I have so many sauces in my house, especially since I started this job. So now it's like, uh. there's a mustard we carry from this local guy. Well, some, somewhat local called, um, he's the mustard man. 
And oh, he, yeah. has, he has a few Good different stuff. ones. His peppered mustard, though, that also is in the constant rotation. That, but that shows up on almost everything, so... Are you, you're not a ranch, one of these freaky ranch people? That I am ranch. not. I'm actually staunch. Oh, damn. Did we just become best friends? Oh, yes. I am pretty staunchly anti-ranch. I will say, yes. because this always comes up and people get mad about the specifics. They're like, well, what about homemade ranch? I'm like, okay, that is definitely better. But <laughs> in general, I really have it out for all of the shelf-stable ranch. It smells bad to me. It doesn't taste good to me. It's like... When we're done, I'll send you. I made a whole. Actually, funny enough, years ago, I made a whole video about how much I hate ranch in ah. Jungle Gyms before I nice. worked there. So yeah, I'm yeah, glad we're, we're on, good company. We're on the same team there. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'll let people in my life eat it, but you know, under <laughs> protest. <laughs> you know? I'm gonna serve this, but I'm gonna yeah. tell you why I don't eat it. Yeah, I'm so glad you don't like it. What's your go-to sauce? Um, or a go-to sauce? Anyway, I, you know, I do like curry ketchup. Like Oktoberfest season is great because all of the curry. You know, the local German societies bring out their curry ketchup sauces. Oh, yeah. Germania used to make and bottle two different types. No kidding. Um, and then the pandemic shut that down. Of course. But it was phenomenal. I'm like, yes, this is great. Bring it back. Bring it back. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking right at the camera now. Bring it back. Germania. I, I never got back. to try it. Yeah, I, it was like, I think it was 2018 at their um, Oktoberfest out at Germania oh, cool. Park. They had them and they were bottling them. And I'm like, this is great. Yay. It's funny. I've only kind of recently gotten more interested in German cuisine, you know, because I, I didn't really know much about it again. When, but it, when we first got here, you know, like, pardon me, like early 90s, it was, um, there was just, I, I don't know, in my head, I was always like, it's always really heavy. And I'm sure there are some stuff, but I got, you know, thanks to Drew and Valerie at Tuba Baking Company. Oh my God. Right. Yes. Do you not love them as much? Yeah. It's so good. Like they go in the old Swabian style recipes. Yeah. And it, it, they really opened my eyes to it because, look, most times I'd just be like, all right, give me some strudel, get me a pretzel, soak me in mustard, and I'm going home, yeah, you know? Right. Uh, and now it's really opened my mind to so many other things. I'm like, oh, who even knew this was possible? Yeah. So. And what I love about them at Tuba is, you know, German, first of all, German cuisine is not the most popular cuisine in America or even Cincinnati, which has a super German population. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But what they've done, you know, they've taken it outside of the schnitzel, schnitzel and they've really, um, they traveled in Swabia for like three months um, a so couple cool. of years ago and they brought back all these great recipes. So they make these super authentic you know, Swabian style dishes, and they make the best dang pretzel in Cincinnati. It is so good. It's like one of those things. Where, oh, now that we've said it, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going I need tomorrow. To go right? There. Yeah. <coughs> the curse of living relatively close by is oh, always right. Like, You're right over there. Aren't yeah. You? And then I just, you know, right before we started, I got my, uh, I go to the Bellevue Barbershop and okay. they're right down the street. So my ritual nine out of 10 times and, and Valerie, you know, this all too well, I guess drew it too, but he's usually making it for me in the back, but I'll go get my hair and beard done in the morning. And then I'll swing over there. I get pretzels and I'm like, what's today's special, you know, and then bring nice. one of those home too. Yeah. They've been killing it. Yeah. Yeah. They were good. I had Drew on the show once when it was like National Pretzel Day or something, and he went oh, through the yeah. whole recipe with us. It was really cute. He's and great. they've got a, a cool beer outdoor beer garden yeah. that I think is still open with um, he heat heater lamps. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And if not, hold Dan accountable for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's supplying the heaters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've derailed you too long on the speculus. Um, let's. We gotta try those. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, because I'm I'm here for the crispy crunchity. <laughs> Crispy, crunchity, buttery cookie. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what was the what's the, what slogan am I thinking of? <laughs> right. Now these really pair with the Mountain Dew game fuel today. 
Oh, okay. Oh, that's fun. Oh, so funny enough, I grabbed this one because it was a little bigger bag, but I did see we had actually really cute, like authentic, uh, I almost said Hollish, Dutch. <laughs> Hollish. <that. laughs> yeah. uh, but Dutch tins that had these in them over oh, okay. there, which I was like, oh, these are cute. And they're like, mine are little people. Oh, and they're okay. So sometimes they're people, sometimes they're a windmill. Oh, I've never seen the little people. That's yeah, you get the little people. Yeah, that's cute. Uh, what are they, they doing to each other? It looks like, honestly, this is just a body horror. It's very much John Carpenter's the thing. It's like just two people become one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Again, goes well with coffee, tea. It, it reminds me of like the Biscoff cookies, too, which exactly. I'm assuming are Biscoff are technically probably one of these. Yeah, I think so. Popularized by Delta Airlines. Delta Airlines, yeah. <laughs> we can't get you there on time, but here, have a free um, <laughs> You have some cookies. You're like, it does kind of work. Yeah. Actually, it's really funny now that you say that. The only reason I have ever tried to, the first time, rather, I tried a Stroop waffle was because United Airlines oh, gave right. it to us on a flight. And I was like, what is this? She's like, would you like peanuts? Or would you like this delicious looking cookie? I was like, has anyone asked for peanuts since? After this? Yeah. Yeah, right. but never after that. Oh, we got some guests. Hi, everyone. This is the best part of the show. You can hear us okay, right? Very cool. Awesome. I'll say that for everybody that watches the show. So one of the fun things is if, uh, when, anytime I really, really trust a guest, I can actually broadcast in the store. So if you're in the store, you can actually hear us talking about this. And I thought this would be a really interesting one for all the guests. So thank you all for coming in today. It's been a busy week here. These are delicious. These are great, aren't they? Yeah, I'm really struggling. Every time I try a new thing, I'm like, that one's my favorite. No, this <laughs> no, one's I my like favorite. That one. Yeah, that one's better. This yeah. is really good, though. I would say this is, of everything we've tried, if you're a somewhat picky or maybe, uh, how should I say, non-adventurous eater, this is going to be the most familiar to you. I think yeah. that's, at least yeah. so far. That's a fair statement. Yeah, you know? for sure. But still, lightly sweet. Not Yeah, yeah. definitely not too sweet. You know what's funny is I meant to find, you talked about the Danish cookies in the tin, and I was just going to do the joke and fill it with all kinds of sewing supplies, but like wrap it up, but I just right. ran out of time. I use, yeah, I use it for like all the weird screws and, um, that's a good idea. You know, um, hanging things. You right. Know. It's just like a box of command strips. <laughs> all those weird tools that you get at Ikea in the box that you're like, what the heck do I do with this thing? I had one of those the other day. I was putting together some furniture and I was like, how huh, do I need? Oh, I was like, oh, I should keep this Allen wrench. I went to like my little drawer where I keep all that. And it's like 80% Allen wrenches. I was like, I think I got enough. Yeah, you think yeah. I have? <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to run out of Allen wrenches. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. These are great. I would try these again. Yeah, these are these are definitely good. And I, you know, I think I thought I had a memory that these were really popular, like in grade school, like, you know, when, you, when they tried to, you know, make you have your nap, you'd have a cookie and milk and yeah. then lay your head on your desk. Sounds good. We should do that as adults. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I wish I would do it. I did put a pillow out for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we all need our naps, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That'll be a whole different show. I'll get a sleep expert in here and I'll just nap on the show and see what happens. I'm like, do people tune in for an hour? <laughs> right. <laughs> they might. No, no, no. The internet's a weird place these days. Those are okay. So, all right, we've killed it so far. This is the one I'm the most curious about. So, yeah, I mean, Germanic gingerbread, yeah. awesome. So many varieties. You guys have so many varieties here at Jungle Gyms. Yeah, I tried to pick different brands. So, by the way, I'll just say for the audience's sake, even though you could see it on screen early, I believe that's probably pronounced Wickline. W yeah, yeah. Wickline, that was one. And they were the ones that did the Nuremberg style, um, Nuremberg style uh, classic gingerbread and the chocolate ones. What was this year? Herman the German. That's I good. With that. the Pfeffer yeah. News. That's great. Good I tried branding. to pick different braids for everyone. And then what is this one? Halima. Halima. Sounds good. 
Yeah, so, you know, gingerbread, the spice cookies, at the holiday times, we move to the UK in mm -hmm. England. Yes. And um, I don't know if you guys have, you probably don't have them out just yet, but um, you usually have kind of these mini um, figgy puddings and Christmas puddings from UK, which is, you know, they're they're kind of like um, like a personal pan pizza, but sized yeah. of those. And those are interesting because... Um, you know, they're kind of like the grandfather of our fruit, you know, our yeah. ubiquitous fruitcakes that everybody loves to get. Which, by the way, you know, I meant to bring those too, and I didn't find one today, but we make a good fruitcake in-house here. Do you really? I, so it was one of the, one of the early episodes here, same thing. I had never tried a fruitcake because, you know, my whole life, it's just been, well, now you'd call it a meme, but it was just a running joke in like every kid's movie or adult movie where everyone's like, oh, fruitcake gross, put it in the garbage. And I, so I, I made a comment to one of our, her name's Christy, she's one of the managers in our bakery, and she was like, oh, Oh, have you not tried ours? And I was like, no, I haven't. I've not tried any of them. They all kind of look neon red or green, yeah. red flag. You know, I was like, yeah. Uh, and she's like, oh, you should try ours. And so she brought in a loaf for me and it was amazing. Honestly, yeah. I was so surprised. I'm a huge fan of good fruitcake. Yeah. You know, and there are a lot of bakeries and you guys apparently are one of them. I haven't tried it yet either. I'll but make sure you get a loaf this year. Yeah. that I mean, a good bakery fruitcake will knock your socks off, I think. Yeah, which is why I usually wear two pairs of socks this time ah. of year, just in case, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're just gonna keep derailing with terrible jokes. So you were saying that this was, so we obviously compared to like a Christmas put or something like that, yeah. which I always wanna try, but yeah. I haven't yet. And then, you know, if you're more, if you have more of a Caribbean flair, the, um, the rum cakes, the rum spice cakes are really good. In and they were Caribbean. out of stock today too. We checked for those too. I was like, oh, those, you know, those are, those are um, popular year round, I think. Yeah. But, and we do, so we do tend to, I think, cause I think when we did a Caribbean uh, like special up by the, when we used to do this section called discoveries by the registers, I think that I want to say I tried it then. I remember really liking it. If it's the same thing. Yeah. But the whole lineup was good. So it was one of those, you know, is this where they coined the expression? It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so what exactly is a mince pie even? I mean, I've, yeah. al I've always been afraid. I was like, is this meat? <laughs> so most people are afraid and it's not, it's not a popular pie, certainly in, in America. But yep. let me, let me read to you their description and then I'll kind of go into it. Okay. Six mince pies. And these are mini. These are about the size of a muffin. Okay. Crumbly shortbread pastry filled with sweet vine fruits, very ambiguous, tangy peel, <laughs> and spices. So they haven't specified any of the three major ingredients uh -oh. in here. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the, um, that's kind of what scares, I think, scares people about mince pies. It's like, what is it? You know, it's usually like raisins, grapes, apples, um, maybe dates or prunes and stuff okay. like that. So kind of, I guess, the way that it probably evolved is, you know, all these weird fruits that you had left over, you just throw them and kind of make a, a jam out of them. Oh, cool. And fill them in a shortbread crust. And the spice, uh, you know, mince pies tend to be very heavy clove. And so that's another thing that turns most Americans off. Sure. But, um, you know, this, I call this kind of the gateway drug into mince pies because <laughs> it's, it's small enough that you're not going to be overwhelmed by this spiciness and all these, you know, there's a lot going on in a mince pie. Sure. And so this is a good way, if you're interested in getting into the mince pie thing, this is a good way to, to start out. Cool. I'm, you know. I'm in. I'm, I'm down. And funny enough, uh, I'm, I think one of the reps from Walker's is going to come do the show. Well, it's a Zoom call, but uh, we're going to have them on here sometime in the next year. Oh, great. I'll say a couple of weeks, but it's a loose couple of weeks before Christmas. So we'll put it that way. Well, you will have to dig on the history of mince pies and... 
I will gladly. Yeah, yeah. I was half going like, Dan, you want to be on that call with me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it, it should be a really cool opportunity. So again, also thanks to Jim uh, and International for hooking that up. So that's gonna that's be a lot of really fun. cool. That'll yeah, I was be really excited about that. Too. Yeah. So yeah, if you have any questions you ever wanted asked. I would love, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it after the show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, here, let's dive into these. I don't even know what these are. I mean, they they do look cute, by the way. They've got the little snowflakes on them. Yeah. And I think also originally, you know, it did have meat, like little bits of, you know, scraps of meat. Probably just to pat it out a little bit. Yeah. The original gelatin, you know. <laughs> oh, no, these look fun. Here, I'll, I'll pass to you. All right. Oh, those look fun. Maybe why don't established we in 1898. That's an old company. Yeah, it really. They've is. been around for a while. It's crazy to think about. Joseph Walker fired up the ovens of our family's Scottish Highland Bakery in 1898 with a desire to bake the best. Still proudly made, now people in more than 100 company, countries, excuse me, oh, I didn't tell you I was illiterate, uh, enjoy our exceptional baking. Wow, five generations of the family later, though. That's nuts to think That's about. That's crazy. Five generation families still making. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, thank good. you, sir. Cheers. Yeah. Oh, it smells good. It smells very spicy. Oh, I should have never been afraid of this. Right. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's great. I would say slightly, it's kind of like brown sugar raisin forward. I, that's kind of flavors I'm getting out of yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it kind of reminds you of a Fig Newton in a yeah, sense. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, great. Spicier note. Fig, fig yeah. Newton. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if Fig Newton's, well, it's again, like a lot of the American versions of international treats always are like, crank up the sweetness, take the weird down about 15 to 20%. Exactly. And yeah. I don't know, I kind of like this. I really like the, I'm assuming it's probably like a shortbread style crust. Yeah. That's since it's Walker's, good. that's really good. Yeah, Walker's makes a pretty dang good a shortbread. I am generally not the crust guy. I'm like a filling guy when it comes to pie. So yeah, like me too. being excited about eating the crust, I'm like, oh, that's a first. <laughs> Walkers, thanks. Alistair, can't wait to meet you. Oh, so is he the, um, is he a family member? I need to double check the email to confirm or not. I'm not sure, but I know he is very, I, when I mentioned his name to someone else in the business, like, oh, you got him? I was like, mm, I guess I did. <laughs> I never realized I have any sort of authority or power in those regards because I just don't see myself that way. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I have a cool job. Uh, and then when those moments happen, I'm like, oh. Well, you should you should also ask him, like, who else, what other companies in the United States are you talking to? You may be, you know, you may be the only ones. I, I mean, yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. because, like, I mean, I always try to see whenever I have a guest like that, that if anyone else seems to know who I'm talking about, so, like, with you, for example, I was like, what are things people haven't talked in detail to Dan about in other videos that are not Dan's own? And so I was like, well, I have a good lane right now. Um, and then same for this. I do that with a lot of guests. I'm like, all right, what is something? Like we had a soldier on that was like one of the first boots on the ground in Afghanistan right after 9-11. Wow. Great. Awesome guy, too. He launched a, uh, a bourbon company. There's good bourbon, oh, no too. no kidding. What's, what's the name? Um, Horse Soldier Bourbon, I believe, is the title. Because okay. he was one of the, they were called the Horse Soldiers because when they went there, it was a whole thing where they partnered up with this horse. And Bob's really cool. He gave me, like, what did they call it a challenge coin? But, like. He, oh, yes. Dude, yeah. it, like, blew my mind. I was, like, man. But uh, leading up to him, so I'm, like, sitting there watching all these videos. I was like, what's something weird we can talk about? And one random interview, he mentioned he loved jazz. 
So I was just like, all right, that's what we're talking about. He goes, oh. And so anytime he comes to town, he's like, are there any good jazz shows in the Cincinnati or Columbus area? I'm like, I love that. This is what my life is now. <laughs> you know, but uh, oh, God, good times. Anyway, I didn't, don't know how I got distracted there, too. Thanks that's for being cool. easy to talk to, Dan. Yeah. That's what I appreciate. So I have a question for you. What, what is your, like, going back to your childhood, your family, mm-hmm. What what is your holiday, uh, what is a holiday treat that, kind of brings back memories for you or places you back in that awkward 12 year old version of yourself or something like that. You know, I mean, I think I'm always in the awkward 12 year old version of myself. Um, What I think about, so it it was funny because the family's fairly like on my mom's side, like my grandfather's Egyptian. Like, so we had like a lot of that angle here, but then a lot of his like brothers, like they're all spread out. They're like in France and like his one brother's in Germany. Right. So we have kind of an eclectic mix growing up. So what's really funny is being in the States, they were kind of just like, everybody just like leaned into like a lot of American traditions. I wouldn't say I was disappointed by that, but it, I think it's very funny. I was like, oh, we had all this like meals the rest of the year. I got to try a lot of unique foods. Yeah. Like Christmas time, it was like, you know, we just leaned into, I, you know, I always think about it. I was like, I imagine it just had to be based on like, the late fifties, early sixties, and probably even early seventies, depending on which relatives in the family I'm talking about. Um, they were locked into that classic version of like the American Christmas, right? So like yeah. Charlie Brown Christmas, Rudolph, all that stuff. Uh, and growing up though, I always think about a few things. One, um, and my aunt made them and we carry them here too. They're like the little brownie crackle crinkle cookies. Like oh, they're like, yeah, the, those are great. I always think about those. I haven't had them in a few years. So that's been a thing. Um, what was else? You know, this is funny, Mike. One of my uncles and I, my mom kind of adopted a little bit of his love of it, but I just liked the seasonal versions of candy. So, like, I, in my head, we always had red and green peanut M&Ms. And that just, I don't know why, it's, like, such a basic answer. Yeah. But it just hits for me. Um, there was something else I thought about. Oh, so there is an orchards and like market. And actually, funny enough, I wish it had come in, like, a day earlier because I would have made us try it on air, too. It's called Delicious Orchards. It's up in Colts Neck, New Jersey. But I, I'm doing a cider episode next. Oh, like, I'm yeah. going to shoot next week. And um, they do fresh pressed cider, and they ship it frozen across country. And I just had this moment where I was like, man, you know what I've been thinking about? They made incredible, crispy chocolate chip cookies. They make these apple cider donuts that are to die for. And then their oh, apple nice. cider is, like, some of my favorite ever. So... That was the other thing. So going back to that, I'm like, okay, so it's like I can feel those like apple cider hanging out and then hot cider in the winter. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. So many good, good things. Stuff. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. How That's about great. for you? Um I'm tr- so my mother's family were was a baking family. Like oh, they cool. ran bakeries over um actually where tuba baking. Oh no kidding. That's cool. Right almost next literally next door to where they are. And so we always had you know, good sort of like coffee cakes, the tea ring. Have you ever heard of that? It's kind yeah. of like a Danish ring coffee cake. Very sounds, simple, but that sounds awesome. I love a good know, coffee cake too. That was, you know, that was always at our family thing. And, you know, not confectionery, but Geta is at every one of our family holiday events. That's cool. So, What's the best way as a non-native who I will say, I did someone else's podcast a while back and it was the first time I'd ever really like truly tried get us straight up because they were like, no, you got to have it. And his wife made it while we were recording. And she's like pan fried. It's simple. Every yeah. time I had tried it prior to that, it was always like, yeah, like get a fest or something. So it was always mixed into something. And I just, it didn't make sense to me. 
And I was kind of like, I don't. It I don't. doesn't to a yeah. And I, I just didn't get it, especially in that form. But once mm-hmm. once I tried like the crispy pan fried version, that made a lot of sense. Um, but I will say this real fast: there was a comedian named Stavros Halkius uh, that just recently came to Cincinnati. I saw the show, and then one of his clips went viral because he got on stage and just getting mad. He was just doing bits about how much he hated. What I thought was funny because he hated Cincinnati chili. I was of like, course, oh. yeah. well, but he's Greek, so I was kind of like, I thought you might be a little more, and he's fat, so I was like twofold. <laughs> Not to be mean, but I'm like. Like, listen, I, I I know how this works. Um, but I was like, I was surprised by that. And then he got in Geta and he goes, it's not the depression anymore. You can just have regular sausage. <laughs> and so I had to ask you, what what's your preferred way of eating Geta? Like, what oh, would you recommend? Definitely crispy, pan fried. And we're, you know, some families dress it with a, a bunch of different sauces. We're a ketchup uh, Geta. Do you go curry ketchup on or regular ketchup? I, I do. I've done that sounds Tabasco fun. ketchup too. Oh, that sounds and really good. Sriracha even. Oh yeah. Okay, I can get into that. Yeah. Dang, now I want to make like a gojujang get Oh, that would be great. Yeah. You got some sort of like Korean. This is like the like every blog will be so mad at me for suggesting this. I was like, Korean inspired get up, yeah. you know? <laughs> that would be hilarious. But on on the note of best way to prepare it. Um, we found out, or I found out last year that my sister's in-laws make it sort of clumpy. Like they, they will not put it in slabs and crisp fry it, but they'll kind of like mix it up like scrambled eggs, like scrambled getta. Okay. And that was super offensive to me. And I, you know, I went on a tirade against them for for that. I'm like, (laughs) this is not the way, who taught you this? This is not the way to eat getta. You know, <laughs> it feels like it would be soft. I feel like that does not sound like an appealing way to eat that. Yeah, they. I mean, but that's the way they've been eating it for forever, and so we had to meet in the middle because right. they're not gonna they're not gonna do the crispy thing. So, well, you know, we had like scrapple back home, which I never oh, really yeah. ate until I was older. I didn't. I still didn't really get into. I was more as far as like the East Coast weird meats. I was more of a pork roll guy. Oh yeah, which we sell here at Jungle Gyms, and that do was like you? yeah. When I I remember a few. It was again before I worked here, and I just happened to randomly come in, and I saw they had it. I was like, you guys carry pork roll here? They're like, yeah, we have like six people who lived in New Jersey that really, really wanted. I was ah. like, seven people, thank you. And gosh, so delicious. Yeah. It's really good. Well, you know, Scrapple is a cousin of Geta for sure. I think the main difference is that it just doesn't have the oats in it, if I'm not mistaken. Right. right? It's got cornmeal. Aha. Uh-huh. I knew there was some twist to it, but... Yeah. You, but you need to have it served by a very angry diner waitress in Pennsylvania somewhere. I feel like that's really the yeah. move. Like she can't be happy, and I want her to have just finished smoking a cigarette. <laughs> you know, there's just something about that odd aroma on her fingertips when she hands the, hands the plate to you. It just doesn't. Right, and then she'll still call you honey or sweetie, of or, course, or darling, or but something. like in like the what's Marge Simpson's sister's voice, you yeah, know? in that scraggle. Yeah, here's your scrapple. <laughs> You're like, Thanks, sweetie. I'm like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do your voice. You know. <laughs> <laughs> nice so good dan i'm so glad you came out today yeah this has been fun oh Thanks yeah well let's do this i really am serious about the burger thing with the ketchup investigation i feel like that would be fun that would be awesome well so here let me tease you with something i guess i'm teasing the audience too so i bought an ice cream maker for myself back home all the while back because i was like oh i kept telling myself i was like a tax time i could probably write this off because i will eventually use it for work um but we had pitched an idea about making a ketchup ice cream which mostly because i'm anti-ketchup i was like well how can i ruin this for the public uh and i thought that would be a great way to do it right make weird ketchup things uh but that might be a good tie-in for the whole episode so maybe yeah. we finish it with a bowl here as a part of our victory lap 
I'd be into that. I think that would be a really fun bit. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Well, but hey, before we wrap up, uh, where can everybody find you? Plug your site, all that stuff. Yes. And, of course, I'll put it in the show notes, too. So um, I'm Dan Wellert, the food etymologist. Just Google that, and it'll take you to my blog. Can you spell your last name, too? It's uh, W-O-E-L-L-E-R-T. So it's one of those weird umlauted O's. Oh, we love an umlaut. Yeah, we love an umlaut. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you can get my books on uh, Amazon.com. Just Google my name. Um, Getta, Cincinnati Chili, Candy, Historic Restaurants of Cincinnati, um, Cincinnati Wine. And um, there may be an upcoming project about the history of Chinese Cantonese food in Cincinnati. Oh, that's so cool. Which is an amazing story. Oh, I'm very excited to hit stop and record just so I can ask you if a couple people I think might be involved might be involved in it. That's really congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm super excited. Thanks for being here, Dan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for walking us through this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll see you again soon. All right. Happy holidays. Well, that was enlightening. Dan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming out here. I had a lot of fun with you. And hopefully that I'm serious about that Northern Ohio burger ketchup investigation. I've been itching to be a detective around food for a long time. And maybe this is the way we do it. So stay tuned. If you want to see that segment like that, you can leave, either leave a comment on this video or shoot me an email at podcast at junglegyms.com. I would love to show everyone I work with that that's the kind of stuff that you'd love to see. Well, on that, folks, I'm gotta, I gotta go get ready for the uh, International Wine Festival that is this Saturday here at Fairfield Jungle Gyms. We got a whole new suit, it's gonna be crazy. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, a lot of you are gonna be there, and if so, come say hi to me while you're there. It should be a great time. And in the meantime, I'll be out there changing in the aisles. The Jungle Gyms podcast is recorded in the WJJI studio inside Jungle Gyms International Market in Fairfield, Ohio. The Jungle Gyms Podcast is produced and hosted by Mark Borison.